Good morning. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Bill Sieverts, and I'm an elder here at the church. Um, Matt, Pastor Matt and his family are returning um, from Oregon today, so you can pray for them. They have a, a safe return trip home. Um, it's good to be here. It's good to see all of you here, although I will admit I wouldn't mind if there are just a few less. <laughs> but no, it's great. It's great to see God's house being full on Sunday morning. Um, our purpose here, the reason that we've gathered together this morning, our purpose, our mission as a church is to glorify God helping each other to become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. And that's the mission statement that God has given us as a church. And that's what I pray that we accomplish here this morning as we talk about something that I feel is becoming ever more important in our world. This is the world in which we are constantly under attack. Um, there's, we are constantly trying to decide where to put our loyalty, constantly trying to decide who to listen to. We live in a world which is constantly bombarding us with information, and much of it is conflicting. And we live in a world that loves to call a lie truth, and truth a lie. And we live in a world where it's sometimes very hard to know who to believe. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'd like to open us with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would calm my spirit right now. I do believe your word that you have given us not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit, a spirit of courage. And God, I pray that you would loosen my tongue, that I would be able to speak clearly today. I thank you for this church. I thank you for everyone who's here this morning. God, I pray that you would open our ears and soften our hearts to hear your truth, and that you would make it clear to us who it is that we should believe. God, I lift this up in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, those of you who know me a little bit might know that sometimes I can be a little bit hard to get along with. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But one of those reasons why I can be hard to get along with for some people is that I am what some people call a skeptic. Now, a skeptic is a person who doesn't tend to accept popular opinion. Um, and that's me. You tell me the sky's blue, I'll believe it when I see it. You tell me you've read a good book, I probably need to read that myself before I make that decision. Um, if you tell me that your glass or my glass is half full, eh, I think I have to see that one too. See, it's just hard for me to, ex to, to accept what people tell me. I struggle with that. And it's not you, or at least it's probably not you. It's me. I'm the one that has that problem. It's just hard for me to believe what, what most people tell me until I've seen it or I've done it my own self. And when I hear stories that people tell me, I just automatically suspect that it's probably at least half wrong. I just, <laughs> it's just the way that I am. My wife would come to me and she would tell me stories and, and I got to the point where I'd ask her, where did you see that? Facebook? And when I said that, I was, I was acting as a skeptic. I didn't believe what she was telling me. And sometimes it was true. It came off of Facebook. And now she's to the point where she says, I didn't see this on Facebook. Or she'll say, I did see this on Facebook, but... Or she just doesn't tell me at all. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. Not everything on Facebook or social media is wrong. I used to write a blog and I used to post things on Facebook. Um, there's a lot of people out there who put good stuff on social media. But there's also a lot of garbage out there. And there's so much garbage, in fact, that I have, most of the time, I just don't even get on social media anymore. And when I do, I read stuff, and then I have to go and I have to check it. And so often I find out that it's not true. But it's not just my wife, and it's not just Facebook that I have trouble believing. I have, I question pretty much everyone and everything. When I hear or I read or I see something, I just automatically start to wonder, 
is that true? Is that really the way that it happened? And I start to poke around on it and to see if what I'm reading or hearing makes sense. Can any of you relate to that? And it's not a bad thing. Wow. For those of you who are here for Pastor Matt's sermons on God did not say that, did anything that he say make you question? When he said, God did not say, I can't take that. When he said, God did not say that he just wants me to be happy, did you wonder about that? When, when Pastor Matt said, God did not say that money is the root of all evil, did that make you wonder? When he said that God did not say that we are not supposed to live, or not supposed to be involved in the world in which we live, did you, did you question that? Because I did. And I fact-checked Pastor Matt. <laughs> I did. And it's okay. He checked out. But you never know, right? That's just the kind of, that's just who I am. And then there are sometimes stories that you hear that they sound right, at least in the beginning. Like there's a story about a guy who claimed to be God. He thought he was the Messiah, which means the Savior of the world. He taught his followers to be faithful to him and only him. Now be careful. Because this guy then built a fortress, and he stockpiled weapons, and he told his followers to prepare for a war. And eventually the government came, and they raided his place, and he ended up dead, and some of his followers ended up dead. And there was a big to-do. And this happened in 1993 in Waco, Texas. And then there's another story about another guy who claimed to be God. He grew up in the country in the middle of nowhere. And he walked away from a steady job. And he told his followers to follow him and to be faithful to him. And he would give them eternal life. And then he ended up dead. But then his followers later on said, no, he's not dead. He's alive. Now that's a story that happened 2,000 years ago. And there are still people today who struggle to believe that. But I'm not always a skeptic. There are times when... I take things at face face value. There are certain voices out there that I listen to all too often. And this is something that I've just recently started to share with people because it's something that I've kept hidden for a long time. And I'm talking about voices that tell me that I'm not good enough. Voices that tell me that I'm not worthy. That I don't matter. Talking about voices of anxiety and fear, and defeat, and insufficiency. These are voices that standing up here right now, I can tell you that I know that they're false. But man, when they're talking to me, it is so hard not to believe them. Now, for those of you who don't really care about my problems, who are tuning out, here's some more stories for you. Game of Thrones is coming back. They killed Iron Man. I heard that there were actually two royal babies... And they're hiding one in the tower because one of them was born ugly. Coca-Cola really once had cocaine in it. And it is impossible for you to lick your nose or your right elbow. And if you don't believe me, try it. Now, why do you believe some of those things and not others? Would it matter to you if you knew what the source of the information was? And where do you get your information? 
When you think about it, where does our information come from? We are constantly bombarded by information. Social media, the Bible, magazines, friends, enemies, our family, our own wants and desires, our biases, prayer and meditation, our own doubts and fears, the rumor mills and the gossip shops, church, pastors, cable news, and even the, de- the devil whispering in our ear. All of those are sources of information. And that list goes on and on. And some of those may sound to you like more reliable sources than others, and they should. But there's also probably some of those sources of information that you consider reliable that you shouldn't. And why do I say that? Because there's really only one source of information that you should believe. And that's what I want to talk about today. That idea that we can and do get information from many different sources But in the end, we have to decide, who do you believe? And so we're going to look into the book of John. If you would open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 14. And we're going to start at verse 1. And while you're opening your Bibles, I'm going to give you a little background here. I'm going to give you a little context for this story. The conversation that we're going to see here is happening in a place called the Upper Room. And this is happening at the Last Supper. And what that means is that this is on the the evening of Jesus being arrested. This is the day before Jesus is going to be crucified. His disciples had been with him for about three days. They had been there, and they had done that with Jesus. And after all that time, you would think they would know what Jesus was all about. I mean, you just think about some of the things that had happened that evening. This is the same night that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And he said, as I have served you, so now you must go and serve one another. This is the same night when Jesus sat down at this table. Um, he was reclining at the table with, this, with these guys and he said, took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is going to be broken for you. And he took a cup and he said, this is the blood of my covenant poured out for you. And this is the same evening that he's going to tell them a new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus has passed on to these guys, not only this night, but for the past three years, who he is and what he's all about. And they had a knowledge of what we would call the Old Testament. They had an understanding of scripture that we would envy today. And they, they had walked with Christ. They had a real-life experience with Christ. And so you would think that their decision would be easy. Who do you believe? And if I were to ask them, who do you believe, I think, they, I think they should have been able to answer it just like that. No questions asked. I believe in God. I believe Jesus Christ. And in fact, maybe we wouldn't have even had to ask them, right? Maybe it would have just been obvious as we look at their lives. So that's kind of the setup for what we're going to read here. So we're going to start in verse 1 of John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, 
you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So we see in verse 5 that Thomas really didn't get it. I mean, Jesus had been pretty plain with them that what was going to happen. For months and even years, he had been telling them that he would come to a place where he would be arrested and that they were going to kill him and that he would be raised again. And he hadn't just told them this once. He had told them this several times. He's been getting them ready. But even now, at this point, Thomas hasn't caught on. Now, do you know Thomas's nickname? Doubting Thomas. So surely he's the only one, right? I mean, there's always one in every crowd. So he's the one who didn't get it. Well, let's read on, starting at verse 8. So Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So we see here that Thomas wasn't alone in his lack of understanding and even his lack of belief. Philip didn't get it either. Now, if you go back to, um, way back to John chapter 1, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Philip was all in. He was probably the third disciple called by Christ, right after Simon and Andrew. And when Philip saw Jesus, he ran to his brother and he said, Brother, I have found the Messiah. I have found the Savior of the world. And three years later, when, when Philip should have been even more convinced of who Jesus was, it doesn't look like he is. It seems that as we read through the Gospels and we get to this point of the story, none of the disciples have yet fully understood who Christ is on the eve of his crucifixion. Now, they had walked with Christ. They had seen with their own eyes the miracles that Jesus had performed, and they still had doubts as to who he was and whether or not they believed him. And Jesus tells them that if for no other reason they should believe him because of the miracles that they saw with their own eyes, but even that wasn't enough. Jesus told them that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the one that you should believe. But at this point, his closest friends and his closest followers still hadn't made that decision yet. Because it was going to get hard. When times are good, it's easy to believe. But when it's, when it's what we want, then we want to hear it. But when it makes sense, then it makes sense to go along with it. But when it gets hard then all of a sudden those other voices start to make a lot more sense. All of a sudden, why should I believe this when this over here is so much more of what I want? And I believe that that's where the disciples were. They didn't like to hear what Jesus was telling them. They didn't want to believe it because it wasn't what they wanted. I think they had a really good idea of what Jesus was saying when he said, you cannot follow me where I'm going. They just didn't want to accept that he meant what he said. And so they found all kinds of reasons for doubt. 
They found all kinds of different sources of information. They found all different voices to listen to. They found all kinds of reasons not to believe. And at that point, even the miracles that they'd seen with their own eyes and performed with their own faith weren't enough to convince them what they didn't want to believe. So where does that leave us? Why should we believe Christ over anyone else? Especially when it gets hard. Especially when what God says and when what Christ says isn't what we want to hear. Sure, we can read about the miracles of Jesus Christ in the Bible, but why should we believe what we read? Now, some of you might be cringing a little bit, but why should we believe the Bible? Because it says so? Well, every source of information you're going to go to will say that it is a reliable source. You're not going to read something and say, this is all false. So why should we believe the Bible over anything else? Now, I could point to a lot of verses in the Bible that say that the Bible is trustworthy and true, and I believe those verses. Like 2 Timothy 3.16 that says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Or Psalm 19.7 that says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, and the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Or Proverbs 1.7, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or I could tell you how there are more ancient copies of the, of the Bible than there are any other written work in the world of, of the same time period. And how copies that were written hundreds of years apart are almost exactly the same. And I could explain to you why that leads, lends credence to the reliability of the Bible. Or I could tell you about how the prophecies in the books of Daniel and Isaiah came true in miraculous ways. Um, I could tell you stories of the modern world where God has acted in supernatural ways in people's lives. And he has proven that he is alive and active. And I could try to use logic and I could try to use proof and I could try to convince you that there's good reason to believe in God and to believe what God says. But in the end, there comes a point where you have to decide. Who do you believe? Now, I'll be honest. This has been one of my struggles in life, and it's still a struggle for me today. It's not so much who do I believe, but do I believe anyone? And this is one of the reasons why when I look at the Bible and I study the Bible, I dig and I dig and I dig. If you've been in a Sunday school class with me, you know this. But if not, you can ask around. I have a reputation. (laughs) My classes last a long, long time. It can take me two or three years to study a book of the Bible. That's just one book. And I'm not bragging. In fact, I think it's to some extent a fault. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to find proof. I want to be sure. I want ironclad contingencies with a backup plan. I don't want to have to make a tough choice as to who or what to believe. I just want it to be there. And the conclusion that I've come to is that God hasn't made it that easy. Not for me, at least. Now, for you, it may be different. But for me, I'm a lot like Thomas. Thomas walked with Christ. He saw him perform miracles. Thomas himself performed miracles in the name of Jesus Christ. And yet, when we get to the eve of the crucifixion in John 14, 5, Thomas still doesn't fully believe. Thomas then saw Christ die on the cross. And a few days later, Thomas' best friend said, Jesus isn't dead. He's risen. 
But Thomas didn't believe him. And 11 days after the crucifixion, Thomas himself saw Christ, and he still didn't believe. Until Jesus said, Thomas, you saw the spear go into my side. Come here. Put your hand here. And Thomas does. And it's only then that Thomas is able to bow down to Jesus Christ and say, My Savior and my Lord. Or my Lord and my God. And that's me. Except Christ hasn't appeared to me physically. And I haven't been able to put my hand in his side. I'm one of those that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 20 verse 29. When he's talking to Thomas and he says, Have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, the, the disciples eventually got it. They eventually understood. They saw and they believed. And then Jesus told them, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's me. And that's you. We have not seen Christ physically. We did not witness him perform miracles as he walked the earth. And we cannot stick our hand in the wound in his side as did Thomas. So if our answer to the question of who do you believe is going to be God, if our answer to that question is going to be Christ, then we must believe without seeing. We must be those who have not seen and yet believed. And there's a word for that. It's called faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And for some, faith comes easy. But for others, like me, it doesn't. It's a struggle. And if you don't struggle with it, then you probably don't understand us who do, just like anything else in life. But for those of you who do struggle with this idea who have great difficulty finding assurance in things that are hoped for, and who have find it really hard to be convicted of things not seen, I am not going to try to convince you. Because I can't. Because I've been there. I've been you. This is between you and God. And you have to make a choice. Who do you believe? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus said, I will come again and take you to myself. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you believe him? Now that's a pretty straightforward question. And it's a pretty short little message that I've given you today. But I think it's important for us to come to this decision. Who do you believe? As the praise team comes up here, I'm going to give you just a little bit of an application. And I think this application is very simple, but that does not mean that it's easy. I want you to decide who do you believe. And if your answer is God, then I want you to do what it is that he's telling you to do. And I think you know what I mean. There's that thing 
There's that thing that God has told you to do or to stop doing. There's that person that God has told you that you need to talk to. There's that confession that God has told you that you need to make, that apology that God has said that you need to offer. There's that debt that God has said that you need to pay or that habit that God has said you need to stop. There's that prayer that God has said you need to pray or that environment that God says that you need to get out of or that step of faith that God says you need to take. But whatever it is, there's that thing. There's that thing in which God says this and the world says that. Who do you believe?